0: Thanks for listening to the Stimulate Run podcast. If you like what you hear, remember to subscribe, leave a rating and a review. If you would like to get in touch or have future guest suggestions, please make contact via email or slide into DMs on any of the social channels. Here's your host Erwin with this episode's guest.
1: Okay, everybody, um, I'd say this before every episode, but I'm really looking forward to this guest and um, unpacking a bit of her story and also help educating. I feel like part of the podcast aims from day one was to help educate, whether it be training methods or um, uh, social issues, and we'll go through a few of those. But um, my guest on this episode has a special story. Uh, We'll go back from where it started, where she resides now is in the Northern Territory of Australia, for all of those who uh are based internationally. She recently completed the final of um all six of the majors. So she has the six star. She is also the first Indigenous Australian to do so. And welcome to the podcast Alira Jennings.
0: Thank you. Um, I'll just correct it's first female. female. My <laughs> yeah my king is Charlie Ma and he completed the six in London last year in October. So I was actually there for that one as well.
1: Nice and I think off air we were talking about what was education for me as well and how to introduce you and I Mm -hmm. think this is something that could really be beneficial to everybody out there listening but um, I suppose to put it in its pure form how I asked the question was Mm -hmm. do I introduce you as an Indigenous Australian or an Aboriginal Australian Um, and you kindly uh, provided me with some clarity and if you don't mind doing that for the listeners now that would be awesome as well.
0: Yeah Um, okay so I'm an Aboriginal woman. My um, clans are Kungarakan and Gurinji in Australia in the Northern Territory. Uh, That makes me a freshwater person and I the way my belief is is when someone says indigenous australian they're encompassing all of australian indigenous people so um aboriginals and torres strait islanders and if if you want to refer to me as aboriginal i i am aboriginal if you want to refer to me as indigenous i am an indigenous australian but i would probably hold back from introducing a Torres Strait Islander as Aboriginal because their culture, language and belief systems are quite different. So um, I think there's a little bit of confusion, but Torres Strait Islanders definitely like to be called Torres Strait Islanders. Yeah.
1: And then in terms of the acknowledgement to country and welcome to country as well, we kind of touched on that. Can you provide Mm -hmm. a bit of context on both of those?
0: Yeah, so uh, I, at the moment I'm living on Larrakia country. So even though I'm Aboriginal, I wouldn't do a welcome to country. I would do an acknowledgement of country because although my uh, I do have family who have um, who are Larrakia? I'm not Larrakia myself, so I'm not entitled to welcome people to my country. I can acknowledge that I am on Larrakia country. But if I go down the highway a little bit and we're in um, Kungarakan land, or if we go down to Gurinji land down at Wave Hill, um, then I would be allowed to do a welcome to country where I'm welcoming you onto my land.
1: So let's go right back to the start and find out a bit about you before we go into your running journey and the majors and uh, everything else. Mm-hmm. Who are who is Alira? Um, where where did she where was she born? Um, yeah, and kind of step us through that
0: <laughs> um, stage. So um, yeah, so my maiden name is uh, Alira Ludwig, which is quite German. My grandpa is German, and my grandma is Aboriginal. I was born in Darwin, and I the the same doctor that delivered me actually delivered my cousins, my dad, and my uncles and auntie. So, <laughs> a little small town. Um, I grew up on a farm, actually, outside of Darwin, called um, a suburb called Humpty Doo, and I grew up along. I was the youngest of three, so. My older brother and sister wanted nothing to do with me. So I just hung out with all of the ducks and the chooks and the goats. (laughs) And um, um, I think now as an adult, that kind of really comes through a lot because um, I have a really soft heart for animals. And, yeah, um, what else about me? Oh, uh, my Kungarikan name is Kuriel. And my skin name is Nunguri. So my sister's skin name is also called Nungari. That's why um, I think there's a little bit of confusion when Aboriginal people refer to their cousins as sisters or brothers. That's because we have the same skin name. So um, we're not once removed like what, in like white culture. And my sons, uh, their skin name is Jungala both of them, and my nieces are Nangala.
1: And how do you go educating that next generation about, you know, their history? Like, you personally, how do you go with it? And then, I suppose, what importance do you place on it too?
0: Um, I use, uh, unfortunately, my... There's not a lot of speakers in my Kungurrakin language. Um, we had two survivors of a genocide, just, uh, um, how would you say, historically in, yeah, we had two survivors. So it's not a language that's really spoken a lot. Um, the words that I do know, I use as much as I can with with my children. So they'll come home from daycare and they'll be pointing to their bits and calling them in, in the English language and I'll be correcting them in Kungarkan language. Yeah. Um and other than that, I think um we still have some cultural ceremonies that we do. And in, so involving them in that where they're getting their Kungarkin names and um having like funeral ceremonies we still do just um i think when they get older and they're not so into uh hip-hop culture and all of the normal culture that kids are interested in they'll they'll want to know more about who they are and and their place in the community
1: yeah i kind of find that was my next question was going to be do you think there's a moment where you become interested in your history and I'm interested in when that might have happened for you because I suppose for me, it's almost like you hit an age and you go, who am I? And, like, yeah. where, where did I come from? And whereas I know that your younger sibling yeah. or my brother yeah. hasn't hit that stage yet or he might have. And it's kind of like you go, oh, hmm. like, what, yeah. who, what am I made up of?
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely... Um, i see this through a lot of different cultures where children are going uh, are growing up and they think that they are the center of the universe <laughs> and and then you get to teenagehood and you have that belief that you're an adult and you know everything but then the more you mature and the more you grow up you kind of go there are different cultures, religions, who am I, where do I fit? Um, I think it's just a natural progression as a human to go thinking, you know, where do I fit in, in the universe?
1: Yeah. And I think you almost have to let people come to that point on their own. Because if oh, you yeah, force and force and force, they'll go, No, sorry, I'm out. And
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, no, of course. And and that's even with um cultural understanding of other cultures in the world. Unless someone is actually open and willing to receive, then they're a, they're they're a stone wall. You could, you know, cry and shout and um, sing out until the cows come home but unless someone's willing and open it's not really going to sink in
1: I kind of jump forward a little bit but how have you felt people's interest has been in your culture when you've traveled overseas so whether it's jumping into an uber or you know just random conversation somewhere
0: <laughs> um to be honest i i get both um overseas I, I think um people usually think that Australians are bogans or that they're really nice people um, as a light-skinned Aboriginal I don't present as Aboriginal so I hear a lot of racist things um, but then on the other flip side I would say it's 5050 there's positive and there's negative and yeah um i get i cop both i cop both all the time
1: and then how do you handle both so do you there must be points where you go i can't change this person's mindset so almost Mm -hmm. let it be because it can't it's going to impact my life and then there might Mm -hmm. be points where you can change someone's mindset and but you've probably learned the hard way as well
0: um yeah I'm I'm a non-confrontational person and um I again I acknowledge that some people don't have that open mind to listen um and it's not my it's not my role to educate someone who doesn't want to learn so I'll either change the subject or I could um or sometimes I I I put it in a perspective that makes them question their own idea. Like I find one that's quite popular is it's really socially acceptable for um, on Melbourne Cup Day to for Australians to get absolutely rip roaring drunk, but if it was an Indigenous group who you know had all of the rubbish everywhere and was um, quite visibly drunk in public. It would be our our Aboriginals are drunks and they need an intervention and, oh, that's where all my taxpayers' money goes. (laughs)
1: Yeah, interesting. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) 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 So it is. um, And it's the same, like, in Darwin in the dry season, uh, there will be lots of families that are drinking on the foreshore, enjoying the sunset. We have a lovely sunset that goes over the water in Darwin. Um, but if it's a different culture group, then there's always a stigma attached, but if you're white, it's okay. Mm.
1: Yeah. seems like it's, uh, still a while to go, um, in terms of your history in sport, uh, and then we'll get to, I suppose, develop to endurance sport because you're wearing a triathlon top now and you've done marathons and where did, where did this all start and then ending up in running?
0: Uh, I really just kind of fell into it. Uh, I never really was a great athlete in school. I did okay in the 800s in the cross country, um, but really quite mediocre, really. I never represented the Northern Territory in any sports. Um, And with team sports, I'm quite uncoordinated. I think you'd only really have me on the team because I'm tall and got long arms uh so um I really fell into running and really fell into endurance running by accident yeah it was um much later in life my late 20s that I discovered that I had a bit of a knack for running yeah
1: and I couldn't imagine uh the community would have not raise an eyebrow when you know you came home and said oh I'm gonna go do a triathlon or I'm gonna go run a marathon well, what was that like when you know even telling uh, um, that kind of yeah that generational my, change
0: yeah my um my, my family think I'm absolutely crazy they um they're extremely proud of me but they just can't fathom running that distance or doing, you know, I'm doing half Ironmans now, so they can't fathom the distances. The, they are really proud, but I, I don't see them putting their hand up to do any any endurance sports just yet. The um, I kind of, I was, I used to be a really, really big girl. I was 110 kilos and um, I had a wake up moment where I started walking and running And I must have been about 95 kilos when I um, ran 6K nonstop. And I said, I asked my dad, you know, how long a marathon was. And he said 42Ks. And I'm pretty sure he thought I was insane. But uh, that was the moment where I knew that I was going to train for a marathon and do a marathon. Yeah, that was all by accident as well. Um, But, yeah. I've actually had family members admit to me that when I was talking about training and doing a marathon they didn't think that I would stick it through uh but I'm the I'm the best part of stubborn and I've got a good engine under the hood so yeah it all came came together
1: Do you you just mentioned those people who you think didn't believe you'd do it do you potentially do something as well to prove people wrong or are you more of the prove people right type thing?
0: 100% that's I'm um, I don't Um. I'm a little bit competitive but if you tell me that I can't do something I will definitely do it out of spite yeah uh, one of my a great example of this is um my brother's three years older than me and when he Um, He's quite a dark-skinned Aboriginal. You would never second-guess that he was Aboriginal. And so I came through high school after him, and I think first day of grade eight, my teacher asked me in front of all of these brand-new students on our first day, asked me if I was a no-hope like my brother. And um, pretty much the last 20 years of my life has been proving him wrong. (laughs) he probably doesn't even remember the conversation but yeah I love to prove people wrong
1: and have you spoken to your dad recently about that first conversation like do you guys ever sit there and reflect on that or do you ever reflect on that
0: oh yeah I um my dad lives in Darwin and I see him pretty much every week or every other week um and he's done a few interviews as well he's He's quite proud. Uh, he's proud of all of his children, um, and yeah, he's he remembers that day, and I remember that day, and it's it's an unspoken bond between us. Yeah.
1: Your role in inspiring others, and you know, the word inspiration, I can't you hear it so much, uh, and you, it just gets bandied about, right? But you go, what is the actual cause of that inspiration? Um, like, do you realise that you are inspiring others? There'll be girls walking down the street when you're going for a run going, oh, wow, that's what she's done or that's what she's into. And whether, you know, this podcast or going to speak at schools, do you ever have a moment where you go, oh, wow, like I actually, I'm inspiring somebody to do this or, in, you know, make a change?
0: Uh, I I really want to shy away from the word inspiring. I think it's... Um, it makes me feel quite awkward I like the word motivate and I you know I think us everybody has ups and downs I have days where I don't want to train and when I kind of think oh you know what is the purpose what is the point in all of this training and then you'll see a post of someone's on Instagram and and you're like oh yeah you know like Sometimes I feel jealous when people are putting in these large kilometres and that motivates me. Um, or I'll see someone who's having an ice bath after a long run and I'll go, oh, you know, I really dislike ice baths, but it feels so good after. And so I, I think that pe- sharing my story motivates people and it, it just reminds them how good it feels after. Yeah, so I definitely am not talking about (laughs) inspiring people but motivating people. And um, I like to think of like, you know, um, the the saying, a candle doesn't lose any of its shine by lighting other candles around it, you know. Sometimes we're on a really good roll and we're burning really bright and people want to tap into that energy and borrow some of that energy and, and that's all good. That's great. I'm, I'm all for it.
1: And uh, like staying authentic as well, you know, you tend to find, mm-hmm. you know, the more people achieve, again, generalizing, mm-hmm. sometimes they lose that authenticity because you're gaining a profile, right? Like you potentially can, you could have gained a profile by now going, I'm the first to do this, first to do that. However, mm-hmm. you, but not really knowing you before this, but you've kept your authenticity, is that important to you as well?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I am very humble and I don't want to big note myself or um, I'll, I'll accept that I've worked really hard to achieve what I have, but I'm not going to big note myself about it and, you know, carry on like a pork chop. I think if, if someone out there has run 5Ks for the first time, and it was really hard for them to get back into the get back into running, then that's just as commendable as running the six majors. Yeah. I think we're we're all on the same team. I'm it, I'm not worried about whether people run five Ks really fast or whether it's their first K or they're doing 50 Ks. Everyone's doing great. Every step forward's awesome.
1: What are the things that you've learned? through your running and it might you know things that you take into everyday life or parenthood Mm -hmm. um yeah what are the things that you've learned over your time that have assisted both ways
0: uh I've learned that I can pull a rabbit out of a hat for a half marathon not so much the full marathon um I have found that I, am, I have a really good knack for running. Um, despite not looking like the stereotypical endurance runner, I um, can definitely hold my own. And I think running is and training is almost the only place in my life where I'm patient. My, um, my natural characteristic is that you know I want everything yesterday and when I want something I obsess over it. Uh but running is running and endurance training is the only time where I can actually be patient. Yeah. Even the three minutes I was waiting for you to yeah. log in, I can't <laughs> sit still. I've got to, you know, start doing the laundry and um I think I actually may have ADHD but the the training kind of wears me down and and calms it out
1: I'd say that you're also very comfortable in your own company right
0: yes uh but I do suffer with my own head I um I've had, I've, like, battled depression for 20-odd years and I have an anxiety disorder. So sometimes my inner voice can be really nasty and really mean. Um, Running sometimes helps. Sometimes I do have to run with music just to drown out that really nasty voice, that nasty alira inside there. Yeah.
1: Well, by achieving what you have, I think it's highly commendable. Um, that you're able to to keep pushing through. Why the majors? So why did you decide that that's what you want to do instead of you know you can go to Melbourne Marathon or Perth Marathon, mm-hmm. or why did you want to why did you go for the six star?
0: Uh, I'm a I'm you know my my favorite color is glitter. and when I saw the six star medal, the first expo I went to, which was in new york 2014 um there was a little stall there i'd never heard of the six stars before and there was a little stall there and i got a they gave me a key ring i still have the key ring and they they said oh if you run all six majors you can get this big medal and i went wow that's really shiny (laughs) where where do i sign (laughs) um so yeah, and I, I like stars, I like glitter, I like unicorns. So that was it it is quite shallow, but that was my motivation. I didn't really go, I wanna be the first Aboriginal girl to get all six majors done. I was pretty much just like, Oh, I wanna I want an extra medal with stars on it and with stars in the name.
1: Well, you're gonna struggle to find what's next, but as opposed to what's next? What's still on the bucket list? Do you go again?
0: Um, I actually won a lottery spot to Berlin this year. Uh, it was part of this 24 hours that I just had amazing luck. And actually, yeah, I won a spot into Berlin. Um, It's my dad's 70th that month, so I'll take him to Berlin with me and um, and my dad, you know his mum's Aboriginal, and his dad is German, so um, it'll be really good, you know, just to take him back to his dad's homelands kind of thing um I will stick with the half iron man's that I do. I'd like to crack under six hours for for those um for those not are uh, listening who don't know the measurements, it's one point nine kilometer swim, uh ninety kilometers on the bike, nine zero, and then a half marathon at the end, yeah, so I'd like to crack six for that. The best time I have so far is six ten, so I need to shave off ten minutes Um, I think I will I'll keep on running marathons definitely um And maybe I'll be crazy enough one day to do the full Ironman. Because, you know, I already know how much fun a marathon is. Why not tack it on the end of a 180-kilometre bike ride?
1: Natural progression, right?
0: Yeah. I reckon there's worse ways to to spend your Sunday.
1: (laughs) interesting part is the training. So for those who Mm. probably aren't aware, you live in an interesting climate um how do you go about this uh let alone just one discipline but then the three how do you factor in the conditions of darwin
0: oh um darwin's really tough if if it's not you know cyclones and thunderstorms every evening um it's just unbearable heat you know, for people overseas who work with Fahrenheit, I think a good portion of the year it's ninety-nine Fahrenheit and thirty-six every days in Darwin. I did train for two marathons when I was living in Catherine and that was hell. The Catherine regularly gets to 41 degrees. Um, I just try to be I just try to be smart about it. Um, if I'm running during a hot part of the day, I'll have, I'll do two kilometre loops and have water in between. Um, but there's really, there's really not much else that I can do. If I wait for perfect weather, I may get about four weeks training each year of great weather. Um, the rest is just having to, to do it and get on with it.
1: Yeah, it's. It probably actually helps you when you go to cooler climates because you sit there and go, yeah. oh, geez, this is actually very cruisy. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, Um, and with the, with the half Ironmans, the run is always during the hottest part of the day. So um, that definitely helps. Um, I can't get a lot of open water swimming training done here because of all of the crocodiles. So I, I am at a disadvantage there when it comes to the Ironmans. Um, But, yeah, I do find when I go to – oh, and all of the majors are all in spring and autumn, so quite cool weather, and then all of my training's in the heat because we're opposite seasons. So, yeah, but, yeah, I can't train for just four weeks of the year, so I have to just get it done.
1: You must actually love the opportunity to wear a jacket. Just oh. in <laughs> um,
0: anything that's below twenty-four degrees, I'll wear a jumper.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, that's how hot it is here. Um, we're getting down to mid-twenties at the moment, and we've actually—I've just bought a little fire pit <laughs> <laughs> for um, for our winter nights. <laughs>
1: Uh, your pre listeners would be thinking, she's got no idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, I kind of mentioned before, like, in our ability to educate and, you know, mm-hmm. you, you are based in the territory. And I kind of said to your fair, there's so many platforms now of opinion. And a lot of the time it's down to the loudest voice. And a lot of the times that might be completely incorrect or somebody who's not even located uh, in the location that they're talking about. I'd love mm-hmm. to kind of hear from a local's point of view, uh, the current landscape in the territory and almost like how, help us see what it's like at the moment um, and sure. then what society can almost, I'll use the phrase, do better.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, w- and I'll be careful because although I am an Aboriginal person, I don't, I don't really want to say that I speak for everybody. I can oh. just speak for myself and um, my opinion. You know, it's kind of like if you had an opinion and then say that that opinion was held for all of West Australians, you oh. know. So I just wanted to make that really clear. But again, like you said, it's always the loudest voices that get heard but people in the community, Indigenous people in the community, have been saying for a really long time that the systems in place aren't working and that something needs to be done that's different. Yeah, a lot of Aboriginal communities in the Northern Territory are actually dry communities, so you're not allowed to have alcohol or drugs in those communities, and those are measures that have put in place by the Aboriginal community oh. you know so we already have people who don't like alcohol in their lives and myself I didn't even start drinking till I was 21 and I'm not really much of a big drinker but the people the low voices the little voices that don't get listened to have been saying for a really really long time that things aren't working There needs to be changes. And I I get I get a little bit frustrated when I in Darwin, you know, there's these actions for or there's Facebook pages, actions for Alice, and you know, stop crime, NT. But indigenous people are also affected by violence. I see that mainstream mainstream um northern territory sees it as a black and white issue but really we're all suffering um and if you look at the statistics you know an indigenous woman is three times more likely to be a victim of domestic violence so i'd say that we actually suffer somewhat the most um i don't know personally what the solution is to it I don't think that a band aid solution will work. And over time, you can tell that throwing money at the problem doesn't really work. It's going to have to be a multi faceted, multi layered, and all round approach, a holistic approach. And then we'll also have to consider that Aboriginal communities and Aboriginal people are all really different. So one size isn't going to fit all. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't have the answer to it. I wish I did. Um, But I just, yeah, I would like to point out that these problems have been called upon earlier but by marginalised elders in the Territory who don't get listened to. And it's always great for politicians to point fingers And, yeah, it's – and we are also victims of this, you know, like a a lot of cars get stolen in the Territory and my sister's car and my grandpa's car have been stolen, you know. So it's not a black-on-white issue. It's a society issue that's affecting everybody. Yeah, Yeah. it doesn't
1: internally discriminate, right? Um, Yeah. And like you said, it's almost – it is a long term plan. It's not throw money at it, going to be fixed tomorrow. It's almost like you're saying 10 years, 20 years, let's gauge next generation. Yeah. They'll be able to gauge what happened 20 years. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and it is a lot of the stuff that's happening is from intergenerational trauma, you know? So um, it's definitely not going to be an easy fix. And, unfortunately i think that there will be a knee-jerk reaction like like the intervention and then it will all come undone again and then we'll end up in the same place that we are now
1: yeah no yeah i appreciate you sharing like your inside wisdom because you know a lot of the times in in interstate or internationally we just see mainstream news or we'll see a moment and go oh this is our opinion and that's the way it is so it is great yeah. to hear from someone who is living there but also has and has generational history so um, yeah yeah
0: and also i found when i was sharing my story that a lot of mainstream australia was offended that i would use that i that i would introduce myself as an aboriginal person running the six majors and that I ran with the Aboriginal flag rather than the Australian flag. And it's quite contradictory because when you think about the problems in the Northern Territory, it's all very black and white. But when, and there are a lot of grassroots projects that are doing great things in the Indigenous communities trying to action the problems. they get called divisive and saying, oh, why can't you just say Australian when I can bet my last dollar that all of those loud voices you see on the media, it's always saying Aboriginal.
1: And yeah, not understanding, right? And look, yeah. and in the last hour, we've just kind of learned the difference in both words. So, <laughs> you, and it's, you know, we was a year about it every day and every year about a certain time and but nobody actually sits there and goes, "Hey, this is the difference, guys. This will help you in future conversations." So, um, mm-hmm. really appreciate just stepping through that for the for the lay person. Um, it's alright. So it's
0: okay. To- and I think, um, I think majority of listen listeners do want to, um, say the right thing and and do it the right way, and and that's 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 okay. That's great. I love that.
1: To finish every episode, I normally ask the guest if they could give their younger self a message, what would it be?
0: Don't date Howard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> um, oh, my God, that's a really hard one.
1: This is one I didn't prepare you for because I thought you yeah, came up with this amazing, lavish story. And um, it's, if I counted down in five seconds, what's the first? So, five, four, three, two, one.
0: Um, your happiness needs to come first. You can't break yourself up into little pieces to make everybody else, everybody else happy.
1: Nice. It wasn't that hard, was it, <laughs> oh, Alira? Um, on behalf of all the listeners, thanks so much, and we just literally scratched the surface. Um, congratulations on your journey so far. It's not finished. Thanks for helping educate. Um, and yeah, we hope to see what is to come in the future for that full Ironman.
0: Oh, I don't know. Don't don't hold your breath.
1: <laughs> this episode of the Stimulate Run podcast. Is brought to you in partnership with Aqualite. Aqualite is a product which supports effective hydration through rapid absorption. It's formulated to replace electrolytes lost through sweat and is Australian owned and operated.